Hello and welcome to the NLA podcast with me, Richard Blanco. Today, I've arranged a mortgage pep talk with the MD of NLA Mortgages, Jane Simpson. Whilst nearly two thirds of us rely on mortgages to fund our businesses, 60% of landlords last year told the NLA that they were finding it harder to get a mortgage. We're seeing some of the lowest buy-to-let rates ever from banks and building societies, but these are now subject to tough underwriting standards introduced by the Prudential Regulation Authority in 2017. However, this is one of the factors that has heralded a burgeoning of mortgage products from the new breed of specialist lenders. Jane Simpson is with me to explain it all, as I said. Um, welcome to the NLA podcast, Jane. Thank you ever so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. And uh, I thought you'd be a great person actually to explain, first of all, these two key aspects of the PRA changes. That's the Prudential Regulation Authority that I mentioned. So for the stress tests that they've introduced and also what they mean by portfolio landlords. Yeah, absolutely. So the first phase, um, we'll call it, came in in January of 2017 and that was to do with the stress test Um, and the lenders themselves now have to be governed by extra rules when it comes to how they stress um, the mortgage and background portfolios Um, and the theory behind this was to make sure that landlords could actually afford the mortgages they were going for so very much looking back to the credit crisis um, people taking up mortgages and then a few years down the line not being able to afford them they were looking to put something in to stop this from happening again obviously interest rates were very low people were able to borrow quite high amounts and there started to be con- some concerns that as interest rates perhaps went up it wouldn't be affordable um, so the ruling came in that a lender had to stress and they had to look at a full five-year period um, which has meant for whereas historically a two-year rate you would look at whether or not they could afford it over the two years they now have to look at that five years so they're also looking at when you go on to re- higher reversionary rate and also things like possible interest rate hikes in the future and the possibility of rent rising as well. So all of this has to be factored in. So it's quite complicated. And um, this, this is where this 5.5% stress test comes in, because some landlords say to me, I'm paying 1.49% on a fabulous two-year fix because I've got a really low loan to value, but I'm being stress tested at 5.5%. Absolutely. So the 5.5 is basically adding on what might you might end up paying if you were to stay on the reversionary rate. So if you had a two-year fixed rate, most landlords will at the end of two years actually remortgage, but if you were to stay with them for five years, they have to look at that full five-year picture now. Um, So I think that from the landlord community, a lot of lenders are are getting a bit of bad press on this, but it's actually not the lender that's put this in place. They are regulations they are needing to to adhere to. And this is also why the five-year rates are now looking a bit more attractive because obviously the five-year rate you will, over the course of five years, will work out slightly cheaper than perhaps a two-year then going on to the reversionary rate, so that can work out. But actually lenders are allowed to stress test on five-year fixes on 125% or 145% of your higher rate um, taxpayer or thereabouts, they, yeah. can, they can decide how high that can be, um, at the pay rate, but many of them don't do it at the pay rate, do they? Why is that, Jane? Um, I think that lenders are trying very hard to adhere to these rules. Um, I myself read the paper and it is, there are no, it's very difficult when you read these, these papers because it's very much, you need to read it and you need to put your own spin on it. So there aren't particularly hard and fast rules as such. There's guidelines and then you need to interpret it. So lenders are being slightly cautious, I think. 
because the last thing they want to do is interpret it and, and end up you know being penalized for it so I think that as time has gone on we've seen lenders you know come out with something quite strict but then they've started to tweak it a little bit as they feel a bit more comfortable a lot of the lenders are in consultation with the PRA um, to make sure that what they have in place is suitable and then obviously they can try and tweak it to make it easier um, but it's very much a, a test and learn still even though we're almost two years on it's still kind of test and learn um, now portfolio <laughs> landlord is a new concept as well for people who have four properties or more um, and if you have four properties or more and are classed as a portfolio landlord you may have to provide a business plan or the whole of your portfolio will get looked at by the lender and sometimes you're offered slightly higher rates as well aren't you yeah so again this was um, the second phase of the PRA changes and the PRA said to lenders that they for portfolio landlords they had to look um, at the underwriting in more detail so I think there was concern that some lenders were it was very much a light brush stroke when they were doing the underwriting it was very system generated for some lenders and again they were just concerned that perhaps there wasn't enough underwriting um, so that has meant things like business plan and it does mean that the lender is required to look at your whole background portfolio to make sure that um, all of your background properties are performing not just the one that you're buying um, the thought behind it is that obviously if you had a few properties there that were really underperforming it might affect if if you were to lose your tenant on this property but you're already putting money into other properties it might affect your ability to pay um, again lenders are looking at ways to, to make that easier so initially they did look most of the lenders looked at each individual property and its own merits now they're tending to look at an overall portfolio so if you do have one or two underperforming properties but perhaps one or two that are performing really well it should cancel each other out so again as I said it's test and learn tweaking making sure they're adhering to the guidelines but trying where they can to make things as easy as possible it really varies doesn't it because some lenders will apply 140% times 5.5% to all of your portfolio in which case I know I fall outside of that even though my portfolio is very profitable and others will say you've just got to be at 100% on each individual property uh, at say 4.5% so and that's this is where a broker comes in isn't it and yeah. you can and particularly with the sourcing uh, system that you have at NLA mortgages people can can see whether they fit criteria or not fairly quickly. Yeah, so if you're interested in looking, you know, money supermarket world and, and sourcing yourself, then you can go on and you can look at rent and you can also see how much you miss by. So if, if your rental misses by a few pounds, you'll be able to see that. Um, but something that we're quite keen to do and the help desk can, can really help with is, is understanding what those background calculations are. So, you know, if you were to go with a lender that had a particularly high background calculation, we could give you that kind of warning up front before you started to, to, to go down that route. And we'll talk about top slicing and things like that in a bit as well, because that could help, couldn't it? Um, I wanted to mention, you know, that well, I've already mentioned that rates are at a historic low at the moment. Are you finding that landlords are really taking advantage of these kind of fabulous mortgage products? The best one I could find was 1.39% at 50% loan to value with Godiva at the moment with a 199 fee. That's on a two-year fix. Um, and at 75% loan to value, um, it's 1.69% with a 199 fee. So brilliant. Very close to residential rates as well now, aren't they? Jane? Yeah, so mm. particularly in the more vanilla space. So those lenders that are looking at either your non portfolio landlords or looking at properties that are not your HMO but just your kind of standard maybe two up two down family let you can find there is almost a price war going on 
Um, so the segregation of the marketplace is huge. I would say in the more complex area, lenders are fighting it out with niche criteria. So they're, they're always bringing on new criteria um, in this side of the market where they, they are more vanilla and they're not really interested in, in diversifying the criteria, then it's very much a rate war. Um, so we are seeing landlords trying to take advantage of that. Um, a lot of like-for-like like remortgaging going on, particularly because of the 50% type rate, you know, they are they are very low at the moment. So if you bought kind of six to eight years ago, perhaps certainly in London and the South East, but in other parts of the country too, then you may well have be at quite a low loan to value now, and this could be a great time to remortgage. Although bear in mind, you might struggle to get the valuation you're after, because I know surveyors are being a bit mean at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're finding that. We are. Um, I think it's a lot of it is to do with the current political climate. And I think what's happening is people are holding off from doing anything because they want to wait and see what happens. But the, the less activity there is in the marketplace, the more it affects property prices. So it's a little bit of a, a vicious circle, to be honest with yes, you. I mean, I had a, a three to four bed house in Walthamstow, which I thought was worth 700, come back at 620 on a remortgage recently. So that certainly woke me up to, you know, the current market. We see this periodically, don't we? As yeah, the, absolutely. As the market cycles yeah yeah and it tends to be then as you know as people become a bit more relaxed with the political climate and and decide they're going to carry on and purchase new properties then house prices will go back up and obviously your property will will value better so it is it is a little bit of a of a low uh, period in valuations but yeah lots of remortgages coming through historically we were about 50 50 remortgage purchase and now we're at least 65% or more on remortgaging. Um, so a lot of landlords looking to, to, to kind of lock down a good rate while interest rates are low. Now, you mentioned vanilla lenders. <laughs> and I guess we tend to think of those as sort of BM Solutions, Godiva, which is part of Coventry Building Society, the Mortgage Works, which is part of Nationwide, uh, perhaps Virgin Money as well, perhaps sort of kind of NatWest Barclays, etc. Um, what is the difference then between these vanilla lenders and the specialist lenders? The specialist ones would probably be Precise, Kent Reliance, Pepper Money, Vida or Vida, Fleet, Aldermore. Yeah, so the the more specialist lenders will tend to look at things like HMOs, limited company, um, more weird and wonderful property types. Um, so anything from um, blocks of flats on one freehold, um, perhaps high rise ex council. So they're looking at more niche criteria areas that may be seen as being. Um, a little bit more credit um, risky for their credit teams. Whereas your vanilla lenders tend to look at your, your kind of your bog standard, two up, two down, family let, traditional built property. Um, also the vanilla lenders tend to be more in the non-portfolio or the small portfolio landlord side of the marketplace. Whereas your more specialist lenders will be looking at larger portfolios. Um, and you mentioned earlier about um, the vanilla lenders being a, a little bit cheaper on price. And I think that is just because there's less landlords now in that space. Most landlords we are finding have larger property portfolios or are diversifying into um, more unusual HMOs or, or areas of the marketplace. So I think where some of the lenders are in that vanilla space, they really are having to fight it out for the actual volume of business that's in there, hence the rates really being driven down. So with specialist lenders, we're tending to see a floor of around about 3%, I see now. I think uh, the best five-year fixed with Precise is 2.99%. State Bank of India have a 65% loan-to-value product at 2.65%. So you're paying for that kind of flexibility, aren't you? Um, 
And also, uh, they've actually opened up quite a few opportunities in the sense that uh, we, we've seen the return of the buy-to-let refurbishment, which, you know, died out in the 2007-8 crash, didn't it? It did, yeah. Um, short-term lending seems to have really come into vogue, partly because of the six-month um, rule, which we can talk a bit more about. And also, tell us a bit more about top slicing and what that means. Okay, so top slicing, if we cover that first... Um, a lot of lenders now, I think we've got about 20 lenders that we work with that, that actually offer top slicing. So if your rental um, calculation doesn't quite work out, you're a little bit short on, on the, the amount you want to borrow, they will actually look at your own income um, and will allow you to use part of that income to essentially top up the mortgage so you can get the loan that you want. So it's really handy. Um, it's quite difficult to work out what lenders will allow you to borrow, how much extra. So, um, you know, we've got calculators in NLA mortgages that we can use, um, but it is very, very good. And quite often you can use it more than once. So although you only have one income, you can quite often top slice on multiple properties. So um, it is a way of um, beating that kind of rental calculation cap. Um, and short-term lending, uh, it's, it's offered by more lenders now, but it still can be quite pricey, can't it? Um, particularly yeah. with arrangement fees. You're looking at generally kind of 0.5% to 1% per month, um, but some arrangement fees might go as high as 2%. Yeah, so it is more pricey. I think the way to look at short-term lending is it's a means to an end. So it's never going to be the most cost-effective mortgage for you. Um, but what we tend to see people doing is using it if they want to buy a property auction, so they need a very quick turnaround because you can get short-term finance in a week, maybe even a couple of days if you move quite quickly. Um, or we see landlords picking up properties that need a little bit of work doing to them, so obviously the, the first charge lenders wouldn't necessarily lend on it day one, but it allows you to purchase that property, do the work, and then to put it onto, um, onto a first charge. Um, so it's a really good way if you see a property that you actually want, but you're not going to get the mortgage on it day one. It's a great way of picking up that property. Um, so although you might pay a little more, um, hopefully if you've if you've got the bargain you think you've got, you're going to actually get that money back in rent and value of property going forward. And that's the way that we look at it more as a as a means to get the deal you want. And the buy to let refurbishment type product is a sort of hybrid between a short term loan, which then sort of morphs into a more long term buy to let. Uh, without having to be re-underwritten, I think. Is that right? Yeah, so usually we'll have a re-inspection, so a value will go out just to check you did what you said you were going to do. <laughs> right. Um, so initially, when you actually purchase the property, a value will go out, you'll give them a schedule of works, and he'll give a day one value and then an afterworks value. Um, and then they will, at some point, usually come out, send the value back out just to check you've done that work. But yeah, essentially, there isn't too underwriting, and you will, you'll tend to go straight on to a more standard-type rate, but you will obviously pay, pay a premium for that. Um, and that premium will be paid for the whole duration of that rate. So, you know, it's probably worth looking at both and seeing which works out more cost effective. If you think you can turn the bridge around very quickly, um, and sometimes a bridge for one or two months might be um, the best way to go. Actually, if the work's going to take you a bit longer, then sometimes uh, the refurbishment deal might work out better. So... And generally, you're looking at short-term lending. If there's no kitchen, no bathroom, if there's a damp issue or maybe some sort of structural issue, that sort of thing, then you may be forced onto short-term lending because certainly the vanilla lenders probably wouldn't look at you. 
uh, the specialist lenders might be a bit more... Um, Absolutely. Flexible. So anything where there's problems with kitchens and bathrooms. I mean, if it just needs a tidy up, then you might be suitable for a refurbishment pro project. If you go in there and there's no kitchen or no bathroom or something structural, then you probably are going to need the, the bridge in finance. And they're very flexible with what the property looks like because they look at the bigger picture um, and you know what you can do with the property rather than the state that it's in now. And the five-year fixes become increasingly popular. I said I would never have them, and I think I've got three at the moment, <laughs> actually, because sometimes you want to raise a bit more money, and actually that's the only way you can get the calculation to work. It is, and I think that's a shame, because I don't think that's what the PRA really intended when they came out with the, the rules. Um, but, you know, people are going on to five-year fix, not because they want a five-year fix, but because actually it's, it's what gets them the, the better borrowing. We are seeing some lenders coming out with five-year fix that only have a tie for maybe three years. So that gives you a little bit more flexibility if you did want to turn it around. So I think that's really good. Uh, but they're coming out with more innovative pro pro products to kind of help you. And Godiva, I think, has uh, five-year flex-fixed products which don't have any um, early repayment charges on them at all. So I, I think that's really brilliant. Yeah. It's great to see that sort of it innovation. It is good to see yeah. the, the lenders looking at a problem and thinking, actually, you know, this customer doesn't really want a five-year fix. So let's create a product that, you know, if they do stay on it, then great, they can afford it for the term. But if they want to move on in two or three years, then you've got the ability to do so. Um, and we are seeing a lot of that from lenders at the moment. You know, they are looking at areas where they can try and improve their criteria or make things easier. And I think as time goes on, we, we will see the market becoming easier for landlords to get the loans they want. Now, talking about the market, I'm interested in your thoughts on where interest rates might be going. I had to do two product switches, really, um, in August. And I wrote a blog about this because I was um, really puzzled about what to do, whether to go for two-year trackers or two-year fixed rates. And at the time, actually, trackers were slightly cheaper. Um, and also, the early repayment charges were lower on the trackers. In one case, there was no early repayment charges. I noticed that the trackers have now got more expensive than the fixed rates, um, certainly looking at the mortgage works rates, um, which would suggest that possibly, or some people think that rates might be coming down. And certainly um, in the November meeting of the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee, which was on Wednesday, the 6th of November, there was a split. And uh, two of the outside experts that the government appointed to the committee, Jonathan Haskell and Michael Saunders, said that the weakness of the economy warranted an immediate reduction. Now, they were in a minority, so rates weren't reduced. Mm -hmm. They're currently 0.75%, and I wonder if they might drop down to 0.5%. It's, it's crystal ball gazing, isn't it? Is it is crystal ball gazing. Uh, I mean, with the current economic climate, in all honesty, I really don't have a good <laughs> um, My gut feeling is there won't be any huge changes. Um, and obviously, rates are quite low anyway. Um, but I guess there is the possibility that they could go back to 0.5 where we were for quite a while and then we had the small increase and, and we could go back there. But I think it just depends who comes in government-wise and, and what their policies are. Um, but rates are very low from a lender's perspective. So, you know, if it were me, I probably wouldn't necessarily wait because I think that a lot of the, a lot of the rates out there are very keenly priced anyway. Mm. Um, but it is, it is very much crystal ball. <laughs> 
I wanted to ask you about some of the trickier criteria that we stumble across. I mentioned the six-month rule earlier, um, which means that uh, you can't remortgage a property unless you've owned it for six months. Some lenders say 12 months. And also, if you're trying to buy a property from somebody who's owned it for less than six months, then you won't be able to get a standard vanilla-type mortgage. You might even end up having to go on short-term funding, although some specialist lenders um, ignore, so to speak, the six-month rule. Um, that also sometimes you need um, a minimum amount of um, income to be able to qualify for a buy-to-let mortgage and that income has to come from a source other than rent. Some lenders put caps on the number of properties you can have so if you've got more than 10 properties they won't lend to you. Um, and then some lenders won't lend to you if um, there are say two properties within one freehold or uh, if you've got uh, tenants on benefits etc. Okay. So you need to be quite careful about these, don't you, Jane? You can. So the six-month rule actually is something that came in a bit historically from pre-credit country. There was a lot of schemes around where people could buy from builders at a cheaper price and then there was a bit of a cash-back deal and there was some underhanded business going on. So the six-month rule kind of stopped that from happening. And also there is, um, when it comes to money laundering, um, a lot of the properties will be used. They'll buy it at cheap price and, and kind of use it to launder money so that's where the six month rule kind of generates from we are seeing a lot of lenders now having um, a softer approach on it so perhaps if you have a reason that you want to remortgage within six months um, then they're more willing to look at it so for example if you did buy it and do some renovation to it if you can provide receipts and show that you've done the renovation then some of the lenders will will accept that now so if they if you can show a a positive reason for ha for doing that then um, I think that is becoming a bit more of a softer area um, and again if you're looking to take out a bridge quite often you know that's absolutely fine because they can see that you've picked it up perhaps you've done some work to it so that's really good and that I think that comes into where lenders are looking to be um, a little bit more generous where they can be um, there are other criteria um, what was the second one yes the caps on number of properties I mean for example you can't get a residential mortgage with Santander if you own six properties, you know. <laughs> yeah, so that comes from the lender being concerned that if you did have any problems with your business and all of a sudden, you know, you're selling lots of properties in the same area, they tend to, to, to want to restrict the amount of business they have with one person. Again, we're seeing that opening up now, so we're tending to see that perhaps lenders aren't too worried. They might have, um, certainly not with the amount of, properties you have with other lenders and they might be increasing the number you can have. So we still have a few that have got those caps. I mean, I would say the more properties you have, the more experienced you are and maybe the more adept you are at running the business. So why penalise you, you know? Absolutely. I think that's with the portfolio type lenders. You know, that's where they sit as well. They actually see um, landlords, portfolio landlords being a really good place to be because you're business people and you're in it because you, you're running businesses whereas perhaps some of the smaller lenders, uh, landlords sorry, um, you know, are less experienced so um, there is definitely that mindset started to come in and saying well actually it's a more professional end of the market and, le and let's try and look to help these people. Some of my frustrations actually Jane are things like big fat arrangement fees and you know, particularly when I see 2% arrangement fees and in London where, you know, the average property price is nearly half a million, 2% of 400,000 or whatever you might be borrowing is 8,000 as an arrangement yeah. fee. <laughs> I, I think these are ridiculous. 
So the way that a lender tends to, to work is they'll have a minimum amount of money they need to make on each loan. Um, so they have some very complicated um, kind of background calculations which will be worked off their average loan. So obviously if you live in an area out with it's above that average loan, the percentage fees can tend to not work as well for you. Um, most lenders will have a rate that's got a high fee with a low interest rate because obviously that comes up high on sourcing systems, having that low interest rate and catches people's attention. They will tend to try and have other rates, which actually the overall cost over the term on their average loan works out very much the same. Um, however, if you live in an area where your property prices are quite high, then quite often some of the higher interest rates, but the no or low fees might work out better for you. I guess I think we should stop calling them arrangement fees because, you know, X amount of admin is required <laughs> to arrange a mortgage. <laughs> Why is it that it costs 999 with one lender and 8000 with another? Maybe it needs to be called something else. Yeah, I, I think for a landlord, what you really need to look at is the overall cost of borrowing um, mm. because then you can see whether or not... I think sometimes when you're looking at these low fees, high fees and very keen interest rates, it's quite difficult to work out what's better for you. But if you look at the overall cost of borrowing over the term, then that's going to give you a really good indication. Um, it's also worth talking to your tax advisor um, because I do believe that you can claim some tax back on fees. Um, so when you sell the property, isn't it, I think? So I think, you mm. know, obviously you can't now have the mortgage interest, so it's worth just speaking to the tax advisor, um, which I am not, but it is worth mm, yes. just seeing what works out better for you because you never know, it, it could, although it might feel like a sting, it, it could help you later down the line, so it's just worth having that conversation as well. Now, the other thing that's annoying me at the moment is that some lenders have introduced... Uh, product switch rates that are worse than their new business rates. I think the mortgage works is the one that I hear people complaining about at the moment, where a two-year fix at 65% loan to value, I think, is 1.49. But if you're an existing customer, you pay 1.99. Yeah. Why on earth have they done that? I think, do you know, this happens everywhere, doesn't it? Like your gas and electric and your sky, they always seem to have better deals for new customers. So um, lenders are looking to keep their... Um, Customers where possible, there is less purchase business, the marketplace is slightly dulled at the moment, so they are looking to bring out these switch rates, but it isn't necessarily always the best rate available to you. So um, I'm surprised that nationwide you seem to be very customer focused and you know we know in the financial sector that people don't like these loyalty penalties yeah. and yet the nationwide is, is going with that. Yeah, I mean sometimes there will be less in the way of fees. Um, so you know that they they'll the fee is lower. Yeah, yeah I don't think it is actually. It's still one nine nine nine. Is it? I haven't looked at the, yeah, at the yeah. switch rates for for a while. But I mean, what I would say to anyone is, if you do get offered a switch rate, don't just jump on it. You know, do speak to a broker and you know, br look at it, but look at the other options as well because they won't necessarily be the best rate around. And because lenders are looking to get that new purchase business, actually new customer rates are very good as well and you with can, free valuations and exactly, so on you yes. can get mm. some really good deals for for especially for remortgages that will you know they'll cover most of your upfront costs well i wrote to um one of my lenders saying you know this is ridiculous why don't you just um offer me a new business rate and keep me as a customer rather than me going to another lender who are offering free valuation, free legal fees. But they came back and said, sorry, no, this is the deal and that's that. So I've tried my At least best. You tried. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
The other kind of bugbear is some lenders are really speedy. I think, you know, Precise and the Mortgage Works and Godiva Coventry uh, Building Society, really fast systems. You know, you can see that they've really got the system set up brilliantly, whereas other lenders can be incredibly sluggish. And I don't understand why some aren't learning from others on this. So I think in the last couple of years, it's been quite difficult for some of the lenders. So since the second PRA changes came into play, um, a lot of lenders that I spoke to had to actually recruit new underwriters and train them because they were given these rules that they had to underwrite by and actually didn't have enough staff to do it. So that, I think, in itself can be, you know, new staff, obviously, have to train them up. That can be a, a, a huge kind of teething issue. Mm-hmm. And also their systems, a lot of the lenders historically had very system-driven um, so, you know, somebody like BM Solutions, they had their one minute mortgage um, where literally the, the systems did everything and then all of a sudden they have to have underwriters looking at it. So a lot of the lenders have gone through huge change internally. A lot of their systems actually haven't got yet to where they need them to be because we all know that IT work takes forever and a day to get done. Um, so I think some of them are still going through those teething issues which have generated from the PRA requirements. Um, and there are some lenders that are still very paper-based, so we deal with some of the building societies, and actually they're very good in certain niches, they can quite often have some very good exclusives for us, but ultimately they are still quite paper-based. Yes, if I think of Hinkley and Rugby Building Society, absolutely lovely, delightful, but paper-based. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it uh, is, you know, yes. we've got an online application form, but there are a couple of lenders where we have to then transcribe it because they <laughs> insist on a paper application. So I think, you know, all of them would like to get to where they to somewhere where there's technology involved, but um, it, it usually involves a lot of cost um, mm. and time. So Yes, I mean, hopefully in 20 years' time, everyone will be fairly automated, <laughs> but we seem to be getting there very slowly. Um, to finish off, Jane, I wanted to do a bit of crystal ball gazing and what you think the future holds. I was reading a piece from Mortgage Strategy today um, uh, which says that uh, lending to buy-to-let landlords for the purpose of buying new properties had plunged by 11% in September compared to a year earlier, which is the latest data from UK Finance. Um, So, you know, it seems to me that if buy-to-let lending is going down, and we know that uh, landlords are a bit wary at the moment of policy changes and regulations and so on. Do you think we will see more innovation and more competition in future for that sort of declining amount of business? I do. There's lots of lenders in the buy-to-let space. Um, you've got your traditional lenders, your builder societies and your banks. And as we mentioned earlier, lots of specialist lenders have come in. So there's lots of lenders um, and they all want a piece of the business. So we are seeing daily in NLA mortgages lenders tweaking criteria um, where they think they can get a little bit of extra uh, volume coming through. Um, some areas of the marketplace such as holiday lets that used to be quite underserved so I think we had maybe four lenders that did holiday lets only about a year 18 months ago and all of a sudden almost every one of our lenders does some form of holiday let so we are seeing the lenders coming in so they are trying to look for um, you know where they think they'll get extra business and what they can do and that's just going to continue um, and I also think there will be a point even in the more specialist side of the sector where actually there isn't a lot of extra criteria they can open up to, so they will start to look at rates then and it will become a bit more rate-driven. Um, but yeah, th- there's lots of lenders, they're all here to stay. Mm, um, I mean, I wonder if the rates of specialist lenders will get closer to the rates of vanilla lenders. That'd be interesting to see. I think it? so. Mm. I, I think that there will come a point where you know they will only be able to open up their criteria a certain amount and then um, it's going to be 
rate then that's going to um, that's going to get them the business. And I wonder what you think about regulation. Will it get tighter or slacker? It's sort of I guess that PRA paper on the new underwriting standards came out in September 2016. So we're three years on now. Um, you mentioned that perhaps they didn't intend all of us to go on to five year fixes and we're all grumpily starting to go on to them. Um, I, you know, I've always thought that 145% times 5.5 is far too high. Um, but very few people seem to think that will ever come down. What do you think, Jane? I think there's been a lot of lobbying. I think there's been a lot of um, discussions between the PRA and lenders, and I don't really see it changing, if I'm honest. I don't think that regulation will get slacker. I think the PRA might look at five-year fixed rates and just check whether or not they think too many people are being driven to them for the wrong reasons. Um, but hopefully that won't generate anything more painful coming out of it for you. Um, but I'm hopeful that in the current climate that they're not going to do anything that um, is going to make it more difficult as well. Because, as I say, I think the, the initial intentions were to make to protect landlords. Um, I think from the landlord's point of view, it probably feels a little bit like it's... Um, it's really harmed you've been able to kind of run your businesses. It feels like the brake has been applied very firmly. Yeah, Mm. I I don't think that was the intention, at least that's not the way the paper comes across, but unfortunately sometimes, you know, in in trying to create one thing, something else comes out of it. So hopefully, you know, things won't get any tighter, but I, I can't see them slackening off either, if I'm honest. Okay. Well, that's all for this podcast. We'd be interested to hear any thoughts or experiences that you would like to share. You can tweet us at National Landlord or comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash National Landlord. You can catch up with previous editions on iTunes or via the news and campaign section of the NLA website, which is landlords.org.uk. And do visit the NLA Mortgages website as well if you just Google it, NLA Mortgages or go to NLA Mortgages mortgages.org.uk. Is that right, Jane? Yeah. Yes, great. And my thanks to my guest, Jane Simpson, and to you for listening.